Hey everybody, welcome to episode 71, all you ringers out there. Um, get ready for a very practical episode. Uh, we just like busted through some cool stuff and we got a little bit into it uh, at, at some points, but we just today we talked about some really amazing ways to save big on your wedding and not cheap Did we ever not get into it we that's that's very true when, when have we ever just been like one two three four five six seven eight um no but we got in some really good like tangible things that you can generally speaking if you're early on in the process um a lot of these will be very helpful but at any point you can recourse direct what did you say earlier course course correct course, course correct. correct um and you'll be able to make it uh make some awesome adjustments if you need to yeah. And honestly, guys, we had a lot of fun recording this episode. We have fun recording every episode. Um, I felt like this one just like flowed really well. But um, one of the things that we've been doing for season six is recording video to go along as we record the podcast. We're literally recording us videoing re- video, videoing us recording the podcast. Filming. You know what I'm talking about. There's a video of us as we talk through this podcast. And honestly, there's some stuff, especially faces that we make to one another or whatever. Um, plus, we it. record a whole uh, different intro for everybody listening um, on Patreon that gets to see all this stuff. So like you'll get to see what Dan's drinking out of for today's episode. (laughs) But here's the thing. If you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not a member of their Patreon group and you want to be, you can join up patreon.com slash P A R O I Patreon P A T R E O N.com. You, when you sign up, you don't just get access of stuff going forward. You get access of all the back stuff. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to watch it, sign up, join up to become a Patreon member, and we will give you all that back stuff too. So I think it's a lot of fun. I'm the one that's editing the video podcast. So the more people that watch it, I feel like the more it makes me happy that I spend the time doing it. (laughs) So it's just what it comes down to. But honestly, we love you guys. We love the community. We love all of your ringers, big and small. Okay, let's jump in. Okay. (laughs) Hey, ringers, I'm Danielle. And I'm Dan. This is the Put a Ring on It podcast. We are two wedding pros sharing everything we can about planning a wedding. You ready? Let's do this. Here we are, podcasting. We look look at us podcasting, Dan. It's kind of like we know what we're doing. Well, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't Somewhere. go that far. This, um, I, I, this is a new topic for us. We have never done an episode just on ways to save money. We've like, like spitter spattered, spitter spattered. We've like done some budget, a budget episode, but not one just on ways to like, cha 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 um, the, the prices of things, uh, not prices yeah. of things on like ways to just reduce that overall total budget. You know, right. You know and saying? I feel me, Dan and. Okay. Dan and I um, always come from the place of when you go into the idea of we're going to have a wedding and we're going to plan this wedding to whatever scale it is, whether you're investing $1,000, $100,000 or whatever in between or above or below, we always come from the place of whatever you're investing, whatever you're comfortable investing, we want to give you the knowledge and the tools and the resources to make the best decision possible for what you're comfortable investing. That said... Uh, being in this industry for the nine, 10 years that both of us have been in it now, we've seen ways that and areas that people have spent money that they ne- didn't necessarily need to. Yep. And that's kind of what we're sharing, um, kind of our ways and, and things to go about it to not spend more than you need to. Does that make sense? So we're yep. not, this isn't about like, this is how to do it cheap. 
That's not what it's about. No. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever, well, let me put it this way. One of the things that they say is like, if you go grocery shopping without a list, <laughs> it's the worst thing in the entire world because you end up just buying whatever. Or if you go grocery shopping hungry, even worse, right? Like you spend an extraordinary amount of money. Um, if you have a plan for your wedding, and I'm talking budgets for everything um, and and even ways to you know be frugal or whatever, or, or like I'm going to liken it to grocery shopping again. If you're like, all right, I know we've got five dinners this week. Uh, we need to make sure that we hit those five dinners. Those are the most important ones. And then you fill in around that, right? Like you've got right. a couple of things that are really important. And we're going to talk about this later. But there are ways to like set this up from the very beginning to make sure you've got a plan for how to do it all 12 months or all six months or all three months and make sure that you're not, you know, flying off the radar or flying off the um, off of the budget plan and, and going off into um, crazy territory. Crazy town. Yeah. And this is um, a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about is going to be incredibly beneficial if you're still on the early side of of getting engaged and planning the wedding. That said, um, there's a lot of these things that we're going to talk about that it's not going to be too late to course correct on some of it. Some of them you're like, well, we already did that. So that's out and it is what it is. Course correct. Great. Yeah. Course correct. I'm over here saying crazy territory and you saying course correct. (laughs) It's not going to be too late to course correct for you all out there. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Yeah. So we are specifically going to touch on eight big ways to save money on your wedding. Uh, And then we're going to nicely wrap it up with some ways that we are going to say where we think you should not try to save money. Um, Things that you should not do, which are things that we've we've touched on before, but I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, not going to be any surprises at the end of this episode. Yeah, exactly. Dan. Shall we dive into number one? Yeah, the, the first one is like the uh, the biggest, easiest, most simple one possible. Um, That's not simple. I, Take oh, that back. No, it I think it is not simple. Yes, it is. I, no, I should no, say. No, it's not. In theory, let's put it this way. It is the easiest one to understand. Big wedding, a lot of people, more expensive. Small wedding, less people, less expensive. It Generally, is the most obvious. Yes. It's the most obvious. Cutting, right? cutting back on your guest list is. Is difficult. Very insanely difficult, but it is your guest list size is the number one factor when it comes to what you're likely going to need to be investing in your wedding day. By nature, more wedding guests equals more space that you need, more tables, more chairs, more linens, more centerpieces, more decor, more food, more drink, bigger transportation, more place cards, more of almost everything. There's very few factors that come into play, more invites. There's, I could keep going. (laughs) It's more of everything. That is, Danielle just literally read down her exact list. Uh, that it, she Why make a list? It was, it was perfect. It was I didn't. Amazing. I added invites. Look at me improving <laughs> and being spontaneous. <laughs> Woo, Danielle, Miss Spontaneous. Um, I know. Yeah, but it's hard, right? Because um, what happens? We have people, friends, family, family of family in our lives, and it's not always easy to say, "Well, we're just not going to invite." that person or right. those people, right? right? We, we feel you and we are, we're on your side with this. We get it. Cause when we say like, well, Hey, save money by just not inviting all those people. It's easier said than done. We recognize that. And there's, there's a whole other, um, side of this where you, you also could say that there is smaller weddings that could have a bigger budget. Um, or 
smaller weddings that don't necessarily mean that you're trying to do everything on the cheap or whatever. There's this uh, episode 62 is what we did with uh, Elisa Tong. And it's, it's about, they used to be called maybe small weddings or intimate wedding or whatever, but they call them micro weddings now where, where it's a curated guest list, right? So if you think of a bullseye, right? Like you've got yourself, uh, the two of you in the middle, and then maybe like one row, one ring outside of that. Who's in that second ring? Maybe, you know, maybe the, it's, parents and wedding party and like like those close people right maybe that's the micro wedding where you bring just that curated guest list and you you create an amazing experience for them so while you're not trying to go cheap with 10 people um maybe it's still a an exciting um beautiful experience with them and i'm thinking lauren and sean who had a fine budget for their wedding um but they didn't go off the rails with a 200 person wedding it was still a beautiful not extravagant affair but do you know what i'm trying to say here um yeah it was very elegant and very gorgeous yeah like what's the best way to describe that like it's it's a it's still this like amazing experience where you you know instead of spending a hundred dollars per person on 200 people it's 150 dollars on 10 people do you know what i mean or something like that right. you know, uh per person you know what i mean you don't understand what i'm saying yeah and that's not what lauren and sean spent i don't want to share what what they spent um but it does come down to the fact that it's just math and guys we try not to bring math up on this show because it stresses me out yep but it is math. The more people you have, the more heads to feed, the more everything to accommodate with them. And it's just a, a factor in all of it. It is much easier to, if you're planning a wedding, let's say you're planning in the middle of downtown Philadelphia, right? To transport 10 people around is a much different ball game than transporting 150 people. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Just that yeah. alone is, is thousands of dollars that you're talking about in difference. So Again, we get it. It's not necessarily something where you need to start slashing. But if you're at the early stages and you're talking with your partner and you're saying, OK, who do we want to invite? Dream big and go all out and then get realistic and say, OK, but what can we afford to invite? Right. Because that is so important. You wouldn't throw a party at your house for 3,000 people if 3,000 people can't. Wow, that's an extreme number. that I just <laughs> That was amazing. <laughs> Wow, I went there. But you wouldn't do it if you couldn't afford to to right. keep to accommodate those people on a level of having someplace for them to be, having something for them to eat, and having something for them to drink. You have to be realistic when you approach it. And I think, gosh, it's something we talk about a lot is that the wedding industry and the like the social avenues around weddings and planning a wedding, there's all this pressure to say like, oh, well, you have to invite all these people and it has to be this big party. And it does not, it needs to be whatever makes sense for you guys on every level possible. Well, imagine this, like what if we, I'm going to try to do a little math here and I've been thinking about this math as you we're talking. Um, yeah, brace yourself. <laughs> Should um, I get out a calculator? I can, I can. Check. <laughs> um, so like, say, you know, you have 200 people coming to your wedding, right? And you've got an average of $100 a plate. That's $20,000, right? Nailed it. Nailed it. Talking in zeros here. But say you said 10 people. That's what we wanted our wedding, right? Like we could easily invite 200 people. But it, like I have a cousin who obviously is part of my family. Our wedding had 150 people. Her wedding had 15 because it was just her parents, grandparents, and like his parents and, and like those very close people. And that's all good, whatever. But imagine if you had... Uh, those same group of people and you said, we're going to do something really amazing. And you did $400 per person, $400. Mm -hmm. 
times 10 people is still only $4,000. Now, maybe that sounds more manageable and having like this amazingly curated experience where you um, go to some fancy beach and have like this uh, excursion where you're able to drive ATVs to where your uh, reception is going to be. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Hang like, on, Grandma. <laughs> things are getting crazy. Or you fly a helicopter in and then you rappel down into your ceremony. That would be amazing. Um, but you get the, the point that I'm trying to make is that you can do – you can sometimes do a lot more with a little less people. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it just comes that, – that's what it comes down to. Um it's it's not often in our life that we plan parties where we send out invitations and we sort of hope that we get no responses, right? Isn't that like a very strange <laughs> uh, thing about planning a wedding? Um, because everybody that comes back, no, it's like, well, it saves us a couple hundred dollars there, a couple hundred dollars, yep. <laughs> shaving it off the list. So yep. that's number one. Okay, two. Number two. Dan touched on it a little bit as we were introducing this episode, but we want you guys to make a budget and we want you to get like down and dirty with spreadsheets, Everything. get as realistic as possible. And then <clears throat> this is key. You need to stick to that budget. And everything, not not just the big things, every little item that you can possibly think of, right? Like it's that little stuff is what adds up. Yeah. And this is where um, we're going to talk about this in a little bit because this is one of those things. And don't come at me because I have reasons. But having a wedding planner on your team early will help in doing these stuff. But you <laughs> um, you have resources right now at your fingertips. First of all, you have Google, which give or take, there's good and bad information out there. But we specifically did episodes, episode 11, very early on, <gasps> 60 episodes ago. That was holy schmoles. That's Whoa. nuts. Episode 11 we did about owning your wedding budget. Um, and then we also did episode 21, which was the wedding budget part two, where we jumped into a lot of this stuff. So we're trying to put as much good stuff out there for you guys, but yeah. it is so much about being realistic and just knowing that, okay, if we, if we're like plus or minus here, how does that affect other things? But it's not just about putting numbers on like, okay, well, we only want to spend this on that because right. if it's not realistic, it's not going to help you at the end of the day. For sure. Dan gave you a good example of when you go grocery shopping. Yep. Um, as a woman, I have certain vices, and one of those is Target. So <laughs> just give me a second here. So when uh, when we're talking about budgets and all this stuff, I will often use my analogy of Target, and I feel like maybe people can relate. Maybe you can relate more on the, the grocery shopping one, but I want to share anyway. Please do it. When I go to Target... It's usually because I need one thing, like mascara, right? And I go in, and I need my mascara, and as I'm first thing I do when I walk in, there's that like cute little thing that has all the cool like dollars and whatever stuff, and I'm like, well, I just have to look at this because some of it's pretty, um, and then it's like, oh wait, while I'm here, let me grab a cart. <laughs> so I get my cart <laughs> for my mascara. For my mascara, my little tube of mascara, and I like, okay, well, all right, cool. So maybe I find something there because whatever. And then I, I keep going, and then there's swimsuits, and it's yes, it might be December, but maybe I need a swimsuit because it's a good time to buy a swimsuit, right? Yeah, because then, then I'm ready for you're summer saving money. Up. You're saving money. At, at maybe that I'm point. saving money, right? So right. then I get some some clothes, and then I just make my way around the whole stupid store to get my way over to the makeup aisle where there's the actual mascara I need, which is also have, probably has that new thing of nail polish that I also really want. But here's the thing: if everything I put into my cart as I put it in there totaled up 
Um, and I had like, okay, now you are going to pay this when you check out, you crazy loon, because all of this stuff costs money. If I had a number that every time I put that thing in the cart, it added up, I would be way more careful on what I'm adding and what I'm choosing to buy because it's really easy to put it in your cart. And then by the time you get to the checkout line, you're committed to this like $200 bill because you feel like a turd being like, well, I really don't need half of this stuff. Let me put it back. (laughs) At that point, it's too late in my opinion. For sure. What it comes down to is if you're keeping track as you go, you make decisions much differently. And it's the same way when you have a budget. If you go in and say, I am okay with spending $10 in Target today, and you go, okay, well, my mascara costs six. I don't know what mascara costs right now. I don't know. Anyway, mascara costs six bucks. All right, I have $4. Do I want to like save that and like put it towards something else, maybe gas? Or do I want to get like a little snack from the checkout line or whatever it is? That's how you need to approach it. If we all approach Target that way, I'm telling you Target would go out of business. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've on people like me who just go in there and buy all the things that I do not need. So that's what it comes down to. It's having this like clear direction and a budget for what you need and what you're comfortable spending. And if you have a little extra fine, if you spend a little over, you are aware of it from the get go. Uh, I want to do number three because number three is definitely it's easily one of my favorites, right? Like I definitely feel like I find a way to mention this every single episode. Be my guest. Thank you for throwing me that bone. Um, number three is choose your priorities early on and focus your budget towards those items. That's it. So what do I mean by that? What do what what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? You're um, right, Dan. What do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? Um, so if you back up and look at your wedding as the big picture right like it's an opportunity that you are creating for your friends and family to get to come together under one roof for a happy reason right like that's that's how rachel and i my wife and i looked at this event people were coming from all over the country Um, my wife's got a big family i have a pretty big family who's local but her family's all over the place so we said this is an awesome opportunity for everybody to get together to enjoy themselves to have fun and party right so that was like number one is people are coming in it's a time off they're taking time out of their schedules to come here they got to have a good time. So what does that mean to have for them to have a good time? Maybe a good curb appeal for the venue. It's kind of a cool experience being there. Um, two is like somebody who's going to keep the dance floor packed. Now, some couples don't want to dance. That's fine. What's your other thing? Is it some entertainment for the couple? Like two weeks ago, uh, I had a wedding on the 13th. It ended up being a pretty crazy wedding. But the, the bride and groom did... Um, like during dinner, they did a Sinatra singer uh, who like came in, like did like his whole spiel, had like a cigarette and like the little cool hat and whatever. They did that. They had a caricaturist, two of them come in and they did that. Um, They also did a photo booth and then they had a flash mob of waiters uh, to get like the dance floor started. It was insane. And let me drop how this went down because I forgot I never shared this with you, Danielle. Um, It was like right after the cake and they didn't want the cake to be like a big deal. So they did the cake and then like as the cake is being like sort of wheeled off, a waiter comes walking through and drops a huge metal pan with all these forks on it. Like right in the like walks right through this like horseshoe shape of people who are watching the the cake uh 
cake cutting. And he drops this thing and the forks scatter everywhere. And the, uh, the event manager's like, you got to pick these up. Hurry up, pick these up. And uh, some of the guests were like, you don't have to yell at him. It's okay. It's fine. And so he gets up and he like st- like stands out in the middle of things. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, everybody. And all of a sudden, like the band like comes in this thing and he strikes a pose. And then like out of nowhere, people just like, like these other waiters who were not actually waiters. There were a dance team who were hired to be there who were dressed as waiters and were actually waiting the staff uh, or waiting the guests. It was amazing. They came in, they just started doing this like choreographed dance, like one at a time, and it just turned into this big thing. And then that was how the the kind of like dance party started off. Um, and it was insane. But so it was a it was a slightly older crowd. It wasn't like, you know, the 20s crowd. So they were trying to find ways to like keep people interested and active and engaged. So that was like what they said. They said that their whole thing was guest experience. So that was their number one. Same thing with me. Another one for a lot of people is photography, right? Like we wanted to make sure that we had great photographs of this amazing time of our lives. So as you're looking at the wedding as a whole, find these things that are super important to you and put maybe the largest chunks of your pie towards those things. Then you look at all these other little things that start adding up. And, you know, this might be preposterous to some people, like flowers weren't that important to us, right? Some of my couples, flowers are the thing right? Like that is it. Like I love flowers. My mom and I make our own, you know, I made my own corsage when I was going to prom, whatever, right? Um, they weren't that important to us. So I didn't even do boutonnieres. Um, my wife had some really nice bouquets made, but we, and then for the, our actual wedding centerpieces, it was just the beauty and the beast, single glass, uh, or single rose underneath a glass dome, right? So we just found ways like super clean and classy and pretty and not that expensive, because it just wasn't that important to us to have like big fancy centerpieces because we wanted most people to be sitting out at the dance floor or if they were sitting at the table to be able to talk to each other back and forth across the table without this massive thing in the middle. And so we just started looking at these other things. We didn't spend a whole bunch of money on like the cake cutting things, which like I feel like that is one of those details I see pop up like get this fancy cake cutting set for $250. It's like what? I don't know. Anyway, the list goes on and on and on about all these things that you like have to have. But if you really look at them, it's like, what are the things that are going to be most important, right? Think about those. To you. To you, exactly. And um, your guests, yeah. And your guests. And, and move from there. And then whatever, as you're going through the process, you remember those major things. It's almost like a mission statement, right? You look at that mission statement and every decision you make and everything you think you need to buy, you hold it up to that mission statement. Does that make my guests have a better experience? Does that money allotted to that mean that you know we're not going to be able to put it to somewhere else that's really important? So that's what I would say. Yeah. And here's the thing. Um, just to be really open, upfront, honest, transparent with you guys, as we always try to do, wedding professionals are salespeople. Yep. 100%. We are in this business the same as many other businesses to upgrade and to sell things ideally from a place of this would add a good thing to your event, but it's up to you as the consumer and the purchaser to say, yes, this is a good, this is a good fit for us or no, it's not. Same as if you go to a restaurant and you ordered the filet mignon and that server says, do you want to add mushrooms to that? And you either say yes or no, because you either like mushrooms or you don't. Dan does not like mushrooms. So you, he is making a face right now. Nope. I love mushrooms. <laughs> I love a good fungus. So, um, <laughs> so that's what it comes down to is, is but, but know that 
the wedding professionals in this industry are going to come at you with different things. That's like, oh, well, would you like to also add this? And you go, oh, gosh, well, maybe that would be nice. Or you go, well, I don't know, maybe. And then they're going to try and show you all the ways that it's going to be really nice. So it's up to you to kind of navigate those waters. But I would say to challenge everything. Do we really need and want this? Is this is this really what we want? Um, is this really a good idea for us? Or am I just being pressured into it? And I feel bad saying no, because it yep. is totally okay to be like, Oh, that's a cool idea. But I don't think so. No, thank you. Yep. And it is okay. Yeah, challenge, I don't think is the best word, but I would say analyze. Challenge. Well, I mean, like challenge the idea to yourself of like, am I doing this because um, challenge the thought you're having because you're going to start saying, well, gosh, they really would like mm. to do that upgraded um, signature drink package. But like maybe is <laughs> right. the bar like most of our guests don't drink. So maybe it's OK that we don't do this upgraded signature bar package just because it would be nice to have. I don't know, whatever. Or the majority of people are going to drink wine and beer anyway, anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So awesome. OK. Huh. All right. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should do this next one. Go for it. No, <laughs> I challenge you not. to do it. <laughs> Number four is hire a wedding planner. <clears throat> Danielle, take it away. Okay. Hang on with me, guys. This is not just a shameless plug. Oh, my gosh. I literally just talked about wedding professionals selling you on stuff. And now I'm like, and you should hire a wedding planner. <laughs> wow. I'm a big old turd. Good setup for yourself, Danielle. No, hear me out. Okay. Um, I've said it before. I stand by it 100%. It is why I do what I do. But when you have... Um, a really good and honest and wonderful and loving and compassionate and respectful wedding planner on your team, um, they are going to be worth their weight in gold. And while, yes, it is an investment, ideally that person is going to save you a ton from costly mistakes to just, just things that you're not knowing you don't know. And that's okay because they're going to ideally go through everything with a fine tooth comb and just make sure that you aren't being double charged for something or just, they're just going to make sure that everything checks out really efficiently and they are going to save you so much time. Um, sometimes they can use their connections to get you discounts or just added value stuff that really depends on a ton of different factors, but having that person on your team is one of those investments investments that you make that comes around long term. Yeah. Um and and just saves you a ton. I am that person. I actually just did an Instagram story on this a, a, a little bit ago. Um I have a wedding coming up the end of next month and they are working with this beautiful vineyard um to have their event at. It is gorgeous. It's got a garden, tent, whole thing. Um but they have to bring in an outside caterer and this caterer has been there many times before. We all sat down a few weeks ago and had this lovely conversation about all these things. This outside caterer also brings in rentals from another company. So we have a venue, a caterer and an, and a rental company, all three people that should be kind of all working together and they are, but it's three separate vendors that this couple has to look at and manage. When I came on board um, a few months ago, I took all of that information and, and really went through it all so that when we had our meeting and our sit down, we were able to go through all this stuff and say, well, okay, they're not doing in this couple's case, they're not doing a sit down dinner. So we don't need all these waiter tray stands on this rental thing. And the bed caterer went, Oh, you're right. We don't, let's take them off. And we said, okay, well, we're not doing a champagne toast anymore at the table. People are just going to toast with what they have. They still had champagne flutes rented and listed on the rental list. And the rental list was two pages long, very fine print, all detailed out. And we're, they're like, oh, whoops, you're right. We can take that off. I don't know if the couple would have noticed that stuff or not, but I went through that thing and there was about 10 different edits that I went back to them and was like, hey, I think we need to tweak this. Um, 
this probably shouldn't be there. Just little things like that. And the couple wrote me an email. They're like, thank you so much. I like, I, I don't think we would have, we would have, we would have caught that stuff. So it's like, that's the stuff that having a really solid wedding planner on your team ideally is going to help you with so that you don't have to make sure. And that caterer had good intentions. They were not out to get that couple or do anything ill will. It's just what it is. So I, I think one of the things about a wedding planner is, it's like one of those things like you don't know what you don't know, right? Like you can put together an amazing wedding yourself. Lots of people do it, right? Like, of course, you know, um, but it's, this is going to be a weird analogy, but it's almost like having cataract surgery or maybe even better, like, like, um, what's that LASIK surgery where it's like, you know, you see the world through like your eyes now and they're great and like life is good. But then you have this thing where all of a sudden you see so much clearer and you, mm. you realize that like, the what it could have been what daniel's just, looking at me like of all things cataract surgery so relatable dan yes it, it is but it's like literally like a thing where it's like you're going through life and you only know it this one way yes. um but you don't know what you don't know and all of a sudden this other thing happens and there's no way to know if you're having a wedding and planning yourself and you can right like you know danielle and i'm through this whole podcast we're always saying you know do what's right for you do what's in your budget blah blah blah, blah. um but it's one of those things where like it's just so helpful. And I know Danielle and I, when I hired her, when we hired her, we were not really friends at that point. Like we had worked together a couple of times, but we were not like hanging out at that point. Do you remember that? We, you know, right. 2015, really after the wedding is when you came down, you guys came down the first time and we were making the, uh, the Harry Potter wands and like all that kind of stuff. That's when we really became friends. Um, I just knew you from being like a really hard worker for being, for uh, having like a very personal business that you take personally as well. You know what I mean? I mean that in the most endearing way possible and just like overly gracious and, and generous with your time and understanding and knowledge for all of your clients. Uh, and they're like, there are other wedding planners, but like I have, but the point I'm trying to make is that like hiring a wedding planner is just like this thing that helps you to actually enjoy everything that's going on in a whole new way that makes sense a whole new way dan thank you very much i will send you i will venmo you your money <laughs> for that lovely ad after this episode <laughs> no it i agree so okay all right number five let's move on let's move on uh well so this comes down to again one of those things that helps if you're early on in the process but one of the big ways to save money is if you pick a venue that doesn't require a lot of decor or added rentals that need to be brought in, like tables and chairs, bathroom trailers, the more that's included by nature in your venue rental, typically the less you're going to spend overall. Mm -hmm. Just what it comes down to. On-property weddings um, have many couples thinking that they're going to save thousands of dollars on rental fees and venue fees. And it is very, very often more expensive to have a venue or to have a wedding on your property than at a venue. And we talk about this episode 17. We're going back to a lot of old episodes here, but awesome. episode 17, planning a backyard wedding, we get down and dirty with it. So many details you got to figure out. Whew. So many. Yeah. So let's just use example. If you're, if you're, if you've just got a grassy area and you're like, we are going to save so much money by having this wedding in, in this beautiful grassy area. No, you're not tents. You talk about like, all right, a big, huge tent, super expensive. Yep. All the tables, all of the linens. Yep. The, 
where the caterer is going to cook. So you have to like find a way to bring in ovens in and water and uh, uh, bathrooms and power and generators. Yeah. There's there's one wedding we're doing in September where we have to bring in convection oven stoves, heat racks, propane because to cook the food. We ha- the couple is having to rent everything for this caterer, which is a whole other story. But bathrooms. <laughs> yep. Power. You need to be able to power all this stuff. If you can't power it through what you have at your property, you need to bring in generators. Uh, parking is the most brutal thing. Like, if you have 150 people at a, a backyard house wedding, where are you going to put 100 cars? Exactly. Or how about just lighting the space? You have to light the space. You have to light the space around the space. You have to light the space where the cars are parked. Because if it's nighttime when they're walking back to their cars. They're going to step in a groundhog hole. Yeah, groundhog hole. I call them unicorn holes because I'm terrified of what actually lives in the holes. <laughs> and I prefer unicorns. Um, garbage. Gar- like, what are you going to do with all this waste and garbage that's left after the wedding? There's... wear and tear on your property there's so much to consider and maybe you're like yeah and we are ready we are ready to do this and knock it out of the park go for it but the more that you choose a venue that doesn't require a lot of stuff maybe you're getting married in a beautiful garden area for your ceremony right that just means the less flowers and all this stuff that you have to bring in to make it as beautiful as you want it to be all right, yeah. Dan, um, you take the next one. The next one, actually, I feel like is really obvious, but maybe it's not so obvious. Um, and that's to have your wedding any other day than a Saturday. Shoot, even a Thursday. Like, Thursday weddings are be- – I feel like they're becoming more popular. Um and not just like a, a very small, like simple wedding. I'm talking like big blowout Thursday weddings, um, especially if it works uh, like – uh, butts up against a holiday weekend or like one of those kind of deals. Um, but yeah, any other day than a Saturday. Yeah. We recently, Dan and I attended a wedding that happened the day after 4th of July. So 4th of July this year was on a Thursday. The wedding was a Friday. We all made a long weekend out of it and had a really great time it and it was super smart. And they probably saved a ton of money by having it Friday versus Saturday. Saturday. Yep. And even if, if you're like, we need to do it Saturday, it is what it is. Consider doing something during the day or during the afternoon. Yep. Think about it from a different perspective of, yeah, but like, oh, everybody wants a Saturday evening wedding. Think about it like this. Wake up, have a great morning, get married, have a beautiful lunch with everybody. A, just it being lunch alone is going to save you money. And then everything wraps up and you have the whole evening to like chill, relax, maybe grab dinner with your close friend. Like think of how that day can unfold much differently in a way that works really well for you and your budget. Yo, I'll do Friday weddings all day, every day. Well, I, I mean, I literally couldn't do that. But like, fr- I love Friday <laughs> weddings because, listen, like everybody loves a long weekend. And a lot of people are looking for an excuse to take a day off. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's like, uh, there was some study or something done recently about how many PTO and vacation hours people just keep racking up because they, they don't use them. They feel like they just like can't take the time off or one thing or another. Give people a reason to take a day off. Have your wedding on a Friday and then get party, get shwasted, or or just uh, enjoy enjoy the time with your people. And then you have the whole weekend to recover uh, or or hang out or leave for your honeymoon or, or whatever, right? And you get to save a smidge of money probably by having your wedding on a Friday anyway. Love Friday weddings. 
Yeah. And we talked about it going back to episode 62, the micro weddings episode we did with Elisa Tong. She flat out said, like, you can probably afford to work with an entire dream team of vendors just by it happening on a weekday versus a primetime weekend date. Because by nature, there's only so many days that were available. So Fridays and Sundays are good, better than Saturday. Mondays through Thursdays are even better because it's just the less likely that a venue or vendor is going to make money on that date. So they're going to usually be able to work with you on certain things. Um, So if you think of days like real estate, Saturdays by nature are just limited in their prime property, you know? I had a Tuesday wedding last year. It was amazing. That's awesome. As far as I'm concerned, I would do that all day long, like you said, never mind. (laughs) Love Fridays. Anyway, okay. Next. Seven? Are we at seven already? What? We are at seven. Oh my gosh. Okay. Go for it. Mm -hmm. So uh, this way you're going to save money is by having your ceremony and your reception in the same location. This very much goes back to the venue as well as what you're picking, but it's automatically going to save you money. Now, if you belong to a church or have a spot that you've always known you've wanted to get married in, then by all means have your ceremony there, guys. It's it is okay you have our permission. But if you're on the fence about where your ceremony should be, your most cost-effective option is almost always the same spot as your reception. Because this is going to save you on decor. Things can be repurposed and go a lot farther. It's going to save you on transportation. Once you're there, you do not have to worry about getting yourselves, your wedding party, your guests to another place and then back at the end. It all just kind of takes place in one space. Mm. It adds... Um, a ton of value for the time you need for your vendors. So most of your day of vendors are there based on hours, photo, video, et cetera. Most of those people are there based on a certain number of hours of coverage that they're going to provide for you. Any time spent traveling, and I cannot speak for everybody here, but most people, most vendors work this way. Any time spent traveling counts in those hours. Now, not necessarily traveling to and from before and after your wedding, but time spent traveling during the day. So if you're going to the church and then you're driving someplace else and then you're driving someplace else and you're driving someplace else, your photographer that time driving, they're not taking photos, which is okay, but that's what you hired them to be there for. So it's not the best use of time. This is how you're going to save money there. Uh, what else is there? Um, delivery fees, more locations you have, more fees. And the more time you're spending traveling is the less time you're spending with the people that have traveled in (laughs) too much words on traveling, but you know what I mean? (laughs) I've gotten there to to see you guys. So (laughs) yeah. Okay. Number eight. Um, (gasps) Last but not least, this, this is like the ideal uh, somewhere that you can literally stay there. So lodge on site, have your ceremony on site and your reception on site. That would be amazing. And there are a couple of places I can think of, but this one specifically is about like finding a venue where lodging is either on site or very, very close. It's just going to save you on all the things we just talked on about. On what? Time, travel? Travel. Time, <laughs> transportation, all the things. Plus, it makes for a great experience. Think you can like extend the togetherness of the whole weekend of events without having to worry about like, well, how are we going to get people there and how yep. are we going to let them know to go there? I'm telling you, it just takes care of so many things. That is that is the one thing that I like about um, a lot of the city weddings that I do where, like, literally the, the church is two blocks from where they got the, the hotel they got ready in, and the reception is three blocks from the church. It's like – and there's just, like, they're all, like, in a little triangle, and they can just walk between them or take Ubers or whatever. Um, but most of the guests walk, and I love that. It's super simple. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. All right, so before we wrap up this episode, I want just to talk about maybe even more importantly what you should not 
try to save money on. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come at me, bro. <clears throat> um, okay. First thing. Wait, am I going to like loft these up to you and you're going to talk about why? You could do whatever you like, girlfriend. You host this podcast too, Dan. I know, but you're the brains. I'm just the comedic relief. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. DIY flowers. Why is that not a good idea? It's, just it's not. Next. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So um, I, I think a lot of people, even we have ringers write to us and say, hey, I really want to DIY my flowers. Why do you guys always say not to do it? And this is what it comes down to. Um, if you work with flowers all the time, then you know what it takes to work with them. However, when you're getting married, you have a ton of stuff on your plate that last week of your wedding. You're just getting pulled in a lot of direction, different directions. Plus, you have everybody coming in. By nature, flowers have a limited shelf life. It's not something you can do well in advance. Now, if you're DIYing your centerpieces and they're silk flowers or something not floral, fresh, whatever, go for it. As long as you can do it weeks, months in advance. But flowers by nature need love and attention and a lot of love and attention in those final days and hours before your wedding. And sometimes I would argue that something else should be getting your love and attention, not these flowers. Agreed. Okay. They need to be cleaned. They need to be assembled. They need to be stored. They need to be kept in water. They need to be kept in a fridge just to keep them cool. Floors have these huge walk-in things that they just store everything in and makes it so easy for you that you don't have to worry about it. If your day is super hot, the florist is going to time their delivery ideally and they better so that the flowers aren't sitting in a hot bit of sun all day long. You don't have that luxury when you're getting married. You're getting pulled in 27 different directions and it is just a lot of work. I worked for a florist for a very limited time to kind of get a good idea of how the whole process works. I was blown away and I've worked in this industry for years at that point. I was blown away at how much time and care and energy and all this stuff went into making so these much. flowers yeah beautiful yep um so yes that well i think that extends to anything that's going to take your attention away from enjoying time with your friends and family uh in those final days right um i mean rachel and i create did a diy uh pretzel dipping thing at the right before it was like pretzel rods and we had to melt the um the chocolate and that was our our gifts to our uh all of our guests it was the the favors and to do like 300 pretzels took a long time and granted it was it ended up being fun because we made a mess of everything and we had cousins in helping us it was like kind of silly right we did it like the day before our wedding because it was obviously chocolate and pretzels but like that was one thing that like kind of worked out, but we also could have been doing other things, right? Like uh, getting together with other people or like welcoming uh, other guests who were coming into town that week. But, you know, it's a give and take, right? And you have to figure out what that is. If you're okay with some of these things, like we were okay with that because it was just pretzels. It was just some chocolate. We were getting messy and we got to eat some of it as we were doing it anyway. So totally great reward. Um, But there are many things that like, if you start thinking about now, you're like, oh my gosh, I would love to do this amazing project, right? I'm going to do blah. And all of a sudden it's, it's a week before your wedding and you've got um, a whole bunch of floral mason jars to wrap in burlap with some pretty ribbon and some other things. And you've got to do 20 of them. And you've also got the timeline to figure out and the seating chart to figure out and all these other things. It's like, when are you going to do this? And then something falls off and then it feels frustrating, blah, blah, blah. DIY anything that gets left to those last, that last week, that last couple days is just brutal. Mm-hmm. 
because it's just adds stress. It does. Okay. Yep. All right. <clears throat> now, another thing that I want you guys to not try to save money on, and I guess I want to explain this better is I, w- I don't want you guys to provide a cheap experience hmm. and cheap in the way of it being obvious that you're doing anything in your power to save money as possible. And by skimping on the overall guest experience for the sake of skimping. So there is nothing wrong with having disposable plates and dishes and, uh, hot dogs served at your wedding. Hell yeah, as yeah. long as you are setting your guests up for that experience, it's going to be a more casual get together. We're going to make it picnic style and good. If you ask guests to show up in, in tuxedos and ball gowns and you serve them a hot dog on a paper plate, unless that's the theme you're going for, that's providing a cheap experience for the right. sake of saving money. Right. So you want to approach it. And this is what we've harped on and gone back to right from the very beginning is that what are you comfortable investing in the wedding and what are the ways you can make that money go as far as possible and invest in quality products and services right. to provide the experience that your guests deserve. Yeah. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be served lobster and filet mignon. It just needs to be a quality experience for them. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, another one that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. I know you are as well is, uh, hiring cheap or inexperienced vendors. Like one of the things that is always, difficult when I hear, um, and it's one of these things again, where it's like, you don't know what you don't know is when somebody's just like, Oh, I'm just going to like, I, we got a college student to do the pictures and it's like, okay, do your thing, do your thing. Um, because you know, I, I respect them enough to obviously to, to let them have their choice, but also I just know how much hinges on this, right? Like there's so much, so many pictures that like when you, if you get your collection back you're like, Oh, why didn't I have a picture of my grandmother sitting at the table. Well, it's like the mo- most people aren't thinking about that. They're thinking about like, oh my gosh, this is like the party of your life. It's going to be great. And all of a sudden you get all these pictures back and it's just pictures of like people dancing on the dance floor or being silly. And it's like, well, what about those pictures that like actually like really mean something? The ones that like in 10 years are going to be the most meaningful pictures, not like, you know, somebody pouring beer on themselves on the dance floor. You know what I mean? Um, right. And it's like it, I, and I can speak from experience. A lot of young photographers will do that. They follow the action of the wedding day, but there's all these sidelines pictures that, that like, it's really easy to get distracted away from, um, the dance floor being one of them. Everybody loves Like if you look at a lot of, a lot of photographers websites, including mine, you know, the action, the, the couple enjoying themselves, the getting wrapped up in the day, that's great. But the rest of that wedding collection is that real stuff, the stuff that doesn't make the blog, but is the stuff that if it wasn't there, I'd be getting a phone call. Right. It, you know what it comes down to is we're not saying you have to um, choose the top right, right cost, whatever vendor. It's about investing what you're comfortable in. But going the route of, well, we, you know, we're just going to pick the cheapest whatever based off of nothing else at all often yields more stress, mm-hmm. more disappointment, and more expectations not being met. Yep. Because anytime someone lacks experience, they lack everything that Dan just said. An experienced photographer knows to look around the room and look at other things that are happening and not just at what's happening on the dance floor. Right. Right. And there are this this is I'm gonna try to not contradict myself here, even though it's gonna sound like it. There are <laughs> like sometimes when people are just starting out and this is one of those things where like you have to feel it out, right? Like you have to talk with as many photographers as possible and like see who fits you. Because I know when I was starting out, I was hungry. 
right? Like I, I wanted to make this work out. It's the best way I can describe it. Like I, I wanted to crush it for every single couple. This was not like just me. Like I, I wanted to go into wedding photography. This is where I was going to lead my path down. That's why I'm in it 10 years later. Do you know what I'm saying? I was going out of my way to like make sure I understood what people really wanted and, and, and how I could take it to the next level, even starting day one. So when you, when you meet with, you know, all these different people, some are in different budget ranges, whatever, you'll get that feeling from them. And if they're on the lower end and you're, and they fit in your budget and they're like a little newer, you'll be able to, I, I think you'd be able to hopefully feel that if that they're going to really push it for you and they're trying to make this something they want to do, et cetera. And guess what too? If, photography is the least important thing to you True. on your wedding day. Yep. You are allowed to say, we're just going to hire somebody that they're going to come and take a few pictures during the ceremony. That's all on. we want yep. and move on. That's okay. We, yep. we don't let us talk you out of that. It's just, if you go into the, into wedding photography with the expectation of having something that you can submit to style me pretty or green wedding shoes, and you hire somebody that does not have the experience or wherewithal right. to right. handle that, that's where that's where Dan and I are trying to educate you that that's so important to have that information. That's why we do this podcast, guys. Dan and I put out this podcast so you can have this information so that every time we say you don't know what you don't know, you go, oh, I know that now. Yeah. Now I'm a, a better consumer and I'm, I'm going to plan this wedding like a rock star. Right. Eight plus gold star stickers all around. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a I'm not, I don't want to compare and contrast. Right. But like there's things where like Let's if you're comparing contrast. All right. So if you're having a big <laughs> fancy super crazy wedding in Center City, um that's super baller and I'm just going to speak to photography because that's obviously what I know. Um if you are trying to if you want somebody who's going to showcase that and you spend, you know, a really low super budget photographer, you're not going to get um this what you would hope for, right? Um, but what you said before, Danielle, was like, if you're just having like something super simple, like I have friends who just had like a small backyard wedding with like 20 of their friends and like some of my friends who I went to college with are photographers. They snapped a couple pictures of the couple looking at the camera, a quick little father-daughter dance. Maybe they got 20 pictures from the wedding and it's they love it. That's exactly what they want. And I'm not trying to contradict myself, but it's like, it's all about your expectations, right? It, photography is important, but it was not the most important thing. The whole wedding budget was probably $5,000, you know? Right. So there's like give and takes. I think as long as everything is kind of in line, you're good to go. Right. Dan and I could probably make an argument, or at least I know I could, as to why every aspect of your wedding could be the most important part of your wedding. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> From everything from your invitations to the, the vehicle that you're transporting your guests on, I could make an argument for every single one of them. Yep. So it's up to you to decide what the hierarchy is for you yes. because there yes. is no right or wrong. It's right. just what makes sense for you guys. All right. One last thing I want to talk about. This is our last thing, guys, and then you get to move on with your day, I guess. But And I guess we should have talked about this earlier. But anyway, I wish we ended kind of at that, but it is what it is. So mm. I want you guys to be cautious. So Dan and I talked earlier about – um, having your wedding any day but a Saturday evening, right? There are also venues that offer on and off season rates. Okay, so if you get married during their peak busy season, it's one rate. If you get married during their off season, it's a more or a more affordable rate to get married there. Now, in some cases, they're doing it just because they're less likely to book that date. All fine, good, go for it. However, in other cases, it's because the venue is not set to run as well in those off-season off times. So if you're choosing a venue 
um, that's very much outside and you live in a place of the world where there is only a certain certain range of months where it is nice to be outside and you yeah. go, well, we're just going to push it a little and get married off season and save a bunch of money. You often run a much higher risk that it's going to kind of not go as well. So <laughs> right. I have a story to share, but basically if it's, if it comes down to weather, you just run a higher guess, higher risk of your guests not being able to travel for your date or yep. just not being able to be comfortable where they're at. Yep. Um, I had one couple, they chose to have their date, um, outside of peak season. Uh, and they chose to have it in a place that is tented in November in Pennsylvania. Now in Ooh. Pennsylvania, you can have kind of a sunny 70 degree day in November, but you can also have a 30 degree day, no sweat. Yeah. And on this day in particular, they it was probably a negative 10 degree day. Ooh. It was frigid. Everybody was in this tent. Um, we were not expecting it. All heaters were brought in, but it just was not enough to keep everything warm and cozy. And unfortunately, what ended up happening is in this case, it was not the end of the world. We just kind of wrapped things up early and they moved back to the hotel where they can just kind of celebrate in the lobby. But everything that they invested and put into the wedding was kind of left back at the venue. Everybody was still together and had a great time and it is what it is, but it stunk Yeah. in the sense of they just banked on it being a really nice day. And it sh I wish the venue didn't even give them the option, but they did. So is what it is, but Whew. yeah. Yeah. That's a crazy one. Anything else Ian, that you have of, on, on, on this? I, I was just thinking the opposite, right? Like, like sometimes those July weddings are, are nice and and like pretty good but like if you've had a wedding like this past couple weeks in pennsylvania it's it's brutal outside like i had a wedding outside um a couple years ago early july and july gets hot here obviously um but this one was particularly difficult and there was no option for an indoor ceremony and it was 107 outsize real temperature so then with the heat index it was like 115 um outside in full sun not shade no tents nothing and everybody was sweating through their garments was sweating through their uh like i i had a gray suit on thinking like oh gray won't attract as much heat i sweat it looks like i jumped in the pool like i sweat through my suit oh, it was brutal um but yeah everybody's got stories like that some of them you can't uh you can't uh, figure out if it's going to happen. It's just luck of the draw, but right. um, know that if you have a wedding in December or July, you know, you might get snow or you might get a 107 degree day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is what it is. Guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast. But hey, before we wrap up this episode, we just wanted to take a moment to give a huge shout out and virtual high five to our Patreon supporters. Your encouragement means the world to us, and we are just constantly blown away by your generosity. Yeah, and if you want to join our amazing community of ringers to help us reach our goals for the show, check out patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. You know, like put a ring on it. There's many different options starting at just $1 a month to help support us. Uh, and some really fun things waiting for you, like video recordings, hangouts with Danielle and I, and and a place to have your wedding questions answered. But hey, if money's tight, that is all good. Keep enjoying this podcast as our gift to you for as long as you need. Exactly. We still love you no matter what. And if you need some more details on anything that we talked about in today's episode, you can find the show notes at putaringonitpodcast.com. 
And of course, you are more than welcome to follow us uh, and connect with us on the socials. I'm at Daniel Moore Photo on Instagram and Daniel Moore Photography on Facebook and Pinterest. Yep. And I'm at DPNAC, D-P-N-A-K on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. Guys, remember, we are here to help you, but no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding is going to be amazing. Because you guys rock. Until next time, ringers. Peace. Peace.